You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey friends, I'm super excited to talk today about being addicted to social media. I feel like we talk about this a lot just in pop culture, but also in growing up as Gen Z. A lot of us have been on social media since we first got a phone when we were maybe nine or 10 years old, or at least that was the case for me. I'm a 1998 baby. Um, And I feel like when we talk about social media, it isn't just a tool that we use or something that we have to do as part of our jobs, but it's really become a part of our own understanding of self. And I don't think I ever realized how much I was addicted to social media until I started dating a millennial who did not have social media, had did not have friends who were as addicted to social media or used social media as part of their careers and who would really point out the times when my addictive behavior would show up. Mainly, for example, going to sleep or in the mornings or um, if there is a lull in conversation, I will drearily basically pick up my phone and I have like this muscle memory of my thumb that opens my phone, has it open with Face ID, uh, goes to the homepage, clicks on Instagram, checks notifications, swipes to the homepage, goes to TikTok and does that basically the same behavior for every single social media page. And it's this behavior where I'm often doing it even unconsciously, like literally as soon as I get up in the morning, I turn my alarm off and I do that little routine with my thumb twiddling around looking at notifications. And I don't even really know what I'm looking for, nor do I know if I'm truly consciously reading through anything. But um, my partner, Henry, really points out in the morning, like, even before I'm awake, even before I let myself breathe into the new day, I'm automatically going onto social media and trying to see what notifications I might have missed out on. Um, The same thing happens before I go to sleep. You know, as I'm setting my alarm, um, I can't just set my alarm and, you know, turn my phone on airplane mode and put it 
down beside me, but I have to, I have this like urge that I have to check all the notifications before I go to sleep. Right. And it's interesting because I'm never replying or, you know, reading through the comments. I'm simply looking at like the numbers basically, right. Seeing, did I get notifications and is there something big that I might've missed out on? And you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, hearing his perspective, watching me on social media, because for me, I've never questioned whether or not I should be active on social media. I have a lot of friends who have, and, you know, have done their own digital detoxing or, um, have consciously decided not to do social media. But for me, I made my first social media account when I was nine years old in fifth grade. I made a Facebook account and I remember sitting there for hours creating the Facebook with a uh, fake birthday because I wasn't 13 and couldn't, you know, by the rules actually create a social account. But since that day, social media became a daily practice of mine. And it was never a question of do I need to do this for work or otherwise. It was just I am a young person. I am wanting to be social and I want to interact with other people. And in doing this at my age, I need to be on social media, right? It was this kind of need to all the time. And I guess you could call it FOMO. Um, I guess you could call it kind of uh, being scared of being forgotten, right? Which is like a whole other thing I definitely struggle with, especially with imposter syndrome. But I think what's really interesting is when I think through the first several years I was on social media, a lot of it reminds me of when I acknowledged the competitive spirit inside of me because I've always been hyper competitive, especially with myself. And until I was on social media, I had no way to have metrics that I was measuring against specifically for myself when it came to um, approval of my own behavior, approval of how other people thought of me. And I think that that's what I really got from being on social media because suddenly when it came to thinking about what I looked like, how I was perceived by others, how many friends I had, um, and you know how other people were being perceived in comparison to me, social media really gave me these metrics, right? And and when you're so young and you're not even sure who you are as a person, but you're also, you know, questioning self-worth and starting to understand even this concept of self-worth, social media then puts in our hands a tool in which we're able to actually measure all these things, measure external validation and otherwise. So I feel like it really perpetuated that competitive spirit within me and also gave me a platform in which not only was I being trained to you know, become more addicted to the platform out of the jealousy I might feel for how other people's content was resonating. But um, I was watching all my peers experience the same thing, right? And when I got together with my friends, uh, you know, in the early years of our social media escapades, we would talk often about how much we hated it, right? We hated being on social media. We thought it was so dumb that we, we were doing Snapchat streaks and, you know, it wasn't even about substantive content, but at the same time, all of us were very addicted to it. And we were all competitive about how big our Snapchat streak number could be. And there was no question of whether or not we were going to stop doing it or keep doing it. And I feel like that is something that I very much feel in my life now, as there is absolutely more conversation about digital detoxing and taking breaks from social media. Like while I have done that, um, kind of not even by choice, but because I reached a breaking point or a breakdown and needed to take a break, 
there's never been a moment where I have thought that I would completely go dark on social media. And a lot of that is because one, it is a huge part of my career. But two, I acknowledge that a huge part of how I've discovered who I am and how I describe who I am is based off of the relationship I have with living in this digital age, right? At the age of nine, before I have hit puberty, um, before a lot of my friends and I like know who we are from an identity perspective, sexuality, you know, understanding what my race is and what that means in the world and, you know, being able to connect with people who I will never meet in person. But before any of that happens, I come on social media and I am taking steps to present myself. Um, and it goes beyond just getting ready for the day. It goes beyond just getting dressed. It becomes what is my profile picture? What are the 140 characters I'm going to use for my bio? If someone knows nothing about me, what nine grid posts am I going to give them to get an understanding of who I am, but also intrigue them enough to the point where they want to follow, right? So from a really early age, my conception of self happens on social media, right? And, you know, I, I find it really fascinating looking back at the last few years of my career in Gen Z marketing, um, where I was working with all these brands and companies who kept throwing around the word authenticity, right? And I mean, remember like being on Clubhouse, even the audio app and being in all these rooms with quote unquote social media experts who are constantly talking about the importance of being authentic on social media, right? When we talk about building a brand, we talk about building a following, everybody's like, authentic authentic, authentic, authentic. And absolutely, like authenticity resonates on social media because in a world of filter versus no filter and making all these decisions about what resonates and, you know, influencer culture, we really value things that feel authentic because it is the most real we can get in the digital world. But I think that's something that I really asked myself in the last year or so is whether or not it is ever truly possible to be completely authentic on social media, right? Because if we describe authenticity, right? I would describe authenticity as being unapologetically myself, not taking into consideration what other people are gonna think of me, but being authentic to who I am and not performing for others. At the same time, every single decision we make on social media is moving us away from authenticity, right? As I said, choosing which profile picture you're going to put on there, right? It might be authentic to who you are, but you're still having to choose one picture to present yourself in every comment that you make, every DM, right? Can you be truly authentic when you don't have the opportunity to show yourself as this well-rounded creature where you aren't showing yourself in movement, but you're choosing one picture? Can you be truly authentic when you have a social media handle and maybe it's not your name, but you know, it is these few characters that you will now identify as, right? For me as an influencer, where a lot of my career is based off of making sure that I am hitting those engagement metrics and everything, um, can I be truly authentic when so much thought and even series of little decisions go into everything that I post, right? Yes, I don't use any sort of body morphing um, apps to change the way my body is. 
you know, I used to in middle school, but um, I don't use those apps and I try to show up as authentically as I can on social media. I mean, for those of you who follow me, you know, I will post menstrual blood. I post my pubic hair stubble. Like I'm very authentic on social media in my own mind. But that doesn't also say that I probably start with 50 to 100 versions of the picture that I end up posting, right? I use an app like LensBuddy or I have a friend take 50 to 100 versions of the picture that I eventually go through and choose one to three photos to really, you know, actually present. And those decisions as I'm going through them is based off of, you know, one, what will look good on my feed. Two, obviously, the way these algorithms work, if any of us are creators or brands, we're also thinking about what will resonate because we don't want to be, you know, quote unquote, shadow banned. So there are all these decisions that are made from that to the hashtags we use, to the language that we use um, on TikTok, you know. I want to be as authentic as possible talking about sexual education and period blood and periods, yet I know I can't even spell those words out fully in captions because it will often lead to my account being suppressed or my videos being taken down, right? So we live on these platforms where the nature of it is requiring us to make these small decisions at every step of the way, but also at the same time where you know, in my business of talking about bodies and reproductive health and feminism and intersectionality and race and identity, inherently there are so many things that I have to do to um, almost hide that fiery authenticity that I wish I could show, right? And I've been thinking about this a lot, especially as as I've been building my company August, where most of the ads that we put forth on these platforms are taken down because the idea of talking about periods is considered inappropriate, right? In all, we struggle with being able to get our message in front of people, uh, in front of crowds who are below the age of 18, because our landing page on our website, which as you might see, is literally nothing about period blood specifically, is just talking about tampons and pads, is considered inappropriate. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to GEICO becomes an easy choice. Switch to Today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote unquote yes men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. I digress, but all that to say, like, to me, it's been fascinating from the brand and company angle where what we're trying to talk about from a product standpoint for like literally what we are and what we do 
is set up to be antithetical to being authentic on social media, right? And I know it kind of sounds like I'm hating on social media and all these things. And again, I'm not considering going off of it, right? Do I think it's healthy for all of us as young people now, like eight and nine-year-olds being on social media and first understanding their conception of self pre-puberty, thinking about how they present in their bodies and everything on social media before they even truly love themselves and understand who they are outside of the digital world? No, I think that's very dangerous. And obviously it's linked to the skyrocketing numbers of mental health, anxiety, eating disorders, body dysphoria in the world. Do I think that it is something that we can escape? No, because we live in a world that has become so digital, right? I've had a number of classes in the last few years at Harvard where I was actually using social media in my sociology classes, right? To whether that be doing surveys or finding out how culture is shifting. And so I do think it's rather inescapable. And this was really coming up in conversations when people started watching the recent Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. And it's really interesting because I remember when this documentary first came out and people started watching it, a lot of the response was like, oh my gosh, it's so mind-blowing. I can't believe it. It's like they invade our privacy. You know, people are addicted to it. But to be honest, like, That's what I heard from the boomers in my life. No hate to them or anything. But I think a lot of people from older generations were watching this where they aren't as addicted to social media. And their reaction was, oh, my gosh, this is so unhealthy. I don't like this. I'm so worried about my kids. I'm worried about the next generation. Meanwhile, for me, like I was talking about my friends being like, no shit, like, the social dilemma basically just captured what our everyday lives are, right? Are we surprised that they're using our personal data to sell us ads? No, not at all. I mean, we joke about the fact that you can be talking about black boots with your friends and then a few hours later, you are being shown ads for black boots, right? And yeah, it's scary, but is it stopping us from using the platforms? No, right? Do we know that our data is being taken? Do we know that our photos could go public and go viral and be taken and shown? Yes. Is that scary? Does it bother us? Probably, right? But we live in a world now that has become so digital in which like it, while it is an option to not be on social media, it's a really big lifestyle decision, right? On college campuses, so much of social life is in Facebook groups from events to parties to, um, you know, class of 2020, 2021 groups when you were first admitted. And so it's kind of this inescapable thing. And that movie did not surprise me at all. Right. I took my first break from social media truly a year ago when I had this mental breakdown um, after I had come across like a lot of harassment online, but a lot of confronting harmful behaviors in myself and in society all online. And there are a few weeks that went by where I was waking up every day to a lot of messages that I found really scary and triggering, whether it be people challenging me to commit suicide, to questioning my own trauma, to um, bringing up things that I maybe wasn't mature enough to confront yet. And I got to a point where I was having a panic attack for like two to three hours every morning. I would wake up, I would check my phone, and I was often already in a panic attack by the time I woke up because in my sleep, I had dreamed that something bad about me had come up online. And in some cases, I would open my phone and there would be bad things. And in some cases, I would bring up my phone and literally there would be nothing. But I had convinced myself that there was something really scary that was going to break 
who I was in person because of something that was posted on social media. And it really goes back to that initial point of the fact that we live in a world in which I felt like my platform being challenged on social media was a direct challenge of my existence because I had equated my self-worth and my presence of being in this world to being valued by how I showed up in the digital context. And because I, you know, lost trust in my instinct and honestly, my ability to show up digitally, I took two months off from social media and I did not check social media and I got, I, I grew this anxiety to then come back on social media. And there were so many instances in which I was in therapy. I was in inpatient care for the, that month and a half where my therapist and my family and my friends were all asking, well, why would you ever go back on social media, right? It is something where... One, you don't really seem wanted on there. Two, people aren't begging you to come back. And three, like it's brought you so much grief in the last few months. Why would you ever go back? And it made me think a lot because no, in, in every essence that I was scared to go back on social media, there was truly no part of me that was that was considering never going back. Why? Because one, it's the way I communicate with all my friends. All the people that I do really consider close friends of mine, my childhood friends, the role models I look up to for inspiration, I'm able to consume content and be inspired or stay in touch with them on social media, right? Um, it's the way from friend groups that we mainly communicate. It's how I stay up to date with news. And of all the good things in my career of being a young person who's now 23, but how I did political organizing, how I published my book, how I grew my nonprofit, how I planned to get back into business and scale business was all on social media. So there was no part of me that was ever considering not going back on social media, even with the hardships that it had brought into my life and the toxicity that it had brought in. So it brings me to my last point, which is like, what do we do from here, right? It does make me cynical when we think about like how honest we can be about how toxic social media is. But as a young person who wants to be social, who wants to be part of this pop culture, who wants to stay up to date of things, who is really passionate about culture changing and social movements, and even from my academic career, understanding the importance of you know the digital space in social movements, right? Social media is a very powerful thing. It's a very... Um, positive thing in the way that it is exposed and democratized access to the ability to build platforms and get messages out there. So it's really just about creating our own personal boundaries with it and creating our own personal practices of boundaries, right? In a world where we're developing our own conception of self on social media, we have to create space where we are developing our conception and appreciation of self off of social media. For me, it has been really beneficial to date someone who doesn't have any social media accounts or any value of social media platform. And I'm not against dating people with social media, but that's been a personal choice for me that's made a world of a difference. And I'm in a very fortunate position right now where I'm able to hire support to be responding to comments and keeping tabs on messages in my DMs on social media because I don't know I could handle it otherwise. For me, it's small practices like putting my so my phone um, across the room and not relying on my phone for an alarm clock. Because when I do rely on it in an, with an alarm clock, I do that unconscious, you know, pressing of buttons and checking my notifications right when I snooze my button before I go back to sleep again, right? So small decisions and practices that I'm trying to make 
in my journey of living on social media, knowing that I'm not going to give it up, but also being really familiar with the toxic culture and dangers of growing up on social media, right? So I get that it's kind of hypocritical that I'm like venting to you all my feelings and then I'm gonna like go promote this episode on social media, but I guess it's part of my mission of like, we have social media, we have these platforms, so what are we gonna do with it and how are we gonna make it possible so that these platforms really are a positive thing in our lives. I'm Nadia Okamoto, and you can find me at Nadia Okamoto on any social media platform or check us out at Tigris Podcast. I just want to send out a huge special thank you to my team at DCP Official. And please remember to like and subscribe to Tigris wherever you find your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.